Hi, I'm Carmen LaBerge. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBerge. again. Today is the day. Thank you for taking me along on whatever your journey includes this morning. Um, hopefully you have been in the word of God before you are out there getting into the world. You are an agent of grace and an ambassador of the kingdom of heaven, and you need to be equipped in order to enter into the conversations of the day with the mind of Christ to, you know, we don't want to just be giving people, uh, you know, a piece of our mind. We want to be giving people the very piece of the mind of Christ. And so we must be doing the hard work, the labor of saturating our lives in the scriptures in order that when the world squeezes us, what comes out is, you know, not just, mm, well, what we're, well, what comes out is what we're full of. And so what are you full of is going to ultimately be the question here. And if you have not intentionally filled yourself with the word of God, then what's going to come out of you um, is going to be less than the fullness of the grace and truth of who Christ is and how God intends to meet the challenges that people are facing today. So let me just encourage you in that. Hey, welcome. Uh, I, I, I don't think that it, we could say welcome too often to our new listeners in Mankato. Um, Paul Perot, remind us uh, what what station they're listening on. Well, they're listening on a tr- our new translator there, which is at 89.1. In the uh, in the Minnesota River Valley, right in Mankato. Good to have you listening. So much fun. Welcome aboard. This is Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LeBurge. That's Paul Perot. He's the producer of and cheap anything sausage, good. sausage makers, I like to say. You, you don't want to and, see what I do in the background. Anything good that happens here, Paul is responsible for. Uh, we're grateful to God for him every single day. Okay, I want to tell you, um, before we jump to Adam Holtz from Plugged In, which is a ministry of focus on the family, and so I intend to ask him a surprise question about uh, this whole controversy with Drew Brees and the uh, media attention that suddenly National Bring Your Bible to School Day is getting, which, by the way, all publicity for Bring Your Bible to School Day is good publicity. I am sorry that Drew Brees is taking it on the chin, but he can handle it. Okay, so um, before we get to that, I want to ask you to pray for a young person who I met um, when I stopped for a sandwich late uh, Wednesday night. Uh, so our our small group that we go to as a couple that's a part of our church uh, meets on Wednesday night and it just started back and I was going to skip it on Wednesday and then I'm like, oh, if you skip the first one, like that's just, you know, right? Like get get into the discipline right away. So I went, but it also meant that I didn't have any dinner until very late. And so I just popped into a local sandwich shop on my way home and granted it was you know, maybe like 15 minutes before they were supposed to close. And clearly they were planning on not serving any more customers. Like that was pretty obvious. There were two young people in there working behind the counter. They looked, um, uh, they looked fatigued. They looked defeated. There was a sadness. There was like a pall over the place. Careful. Not a, not a pall like you, like a, like a P, (laughs) like a P-A-L-L, like that kind of pall. Yeah. Like a funeral pall. Yeah. Am I not supposed to use that word? Okay. Well, so that, that like, that like heaviness, there was like this weightiness to the environment. And that's not the way the place is supposed to feel. So 
Um, and I had only taken in, you know, like a handful of dollars because I was only going to get, you know, a small sandwich. And so as I uh, as I asked the young person, you know, hey, can I still get a sandwich? You could tell that the answer that this individual wanted to give me um, was no. But resisting that, there was this rolling of the eyes and this dropping of the head and the answer was yes. <laughs> so I said, you know what? I will take whatever kind of bread you have already cut that you're going to throw away. Like it's sitting right there. Like I'll have all of that, whatever that is. And I'll have whatever is still out right here that you haven't put away yet. And um, so just make me a sandwich and that's what I'll get. And this individual kind of brightened a little bit. And I just felt compelled to ask, um, what's your name? And there, you may have noted to this point, I have, av- I have avoided using pronouns. And I've avoided using pronouns because I will admit that I was not clear. The way this person was presenting themselves, was it did not make clear to me that they were male or female. And neither did the name that was offered, which is Jade. And so I met Jade and I simply asked, like, are you okay? Because Jade did not really appear to be okay. And um, and that was it. That was all it took, my friends. Man, all it takes is asking a person's name and asking them if they're okay, and the floodgate can open. And so what was initially my effort to, um, you know, satisfy my physical hunger <clears throat> turned into uh, a pretty extraordinary experience that resulted in my praying with these two young people before I left that store. And I have no idea what, you know, what, how God might intend to use that. And it's not like we prayed for salvation or anything dramatic. Don't get, you know, don't, don't get overexcited here. But the fact that these two people felt loved and seen and appreciated um, just might change the world. And, and you can do that. Like, this is not hard. This is not hard. Um, it's not always about getting exactly what we want when we want it. Sometimes it's about being the agent of grace that God needs in another person's life at a particular point in time um, in in ways that we really don't anticipate and could never imagine. So I want you to be open to that possibility today, that God may have set a divine appointment for you, that you have no you have no way of anticipating except to say, you know what, God, I'm going to be looking for it. I'm going to be on the lookout for an opportunity to simply be an agent of grace in the world today on your behalf. Hey, when we come back, we're going to be talking with Adam Holtz from Plugged In. I'm going to ask him about National Bring Your Bible to School Day and this um, brouhaha with the Focus on the Family video featuring uh, Drew Brees. And I don't know why people are upset about it. We'll be right back. It's always such a joy to talk to Adam Holtz from Plugged In. You can check out what they're doing at PluggedIn.com. You can follow them on Twitter at Plugged In. It is a ministry of Focus on the Family, which, Adam, uh, leads me to want to know something. Can I ask a Focus on the Family-related question this morning? Absolutely. <laughs> I'm calling it the Drew Haha. I totally uh-huh. ripped that off from Paul Perot. So, you know, there's know. this— Well, as soon as you said it, I had the thought, but I hadn't— I hadn't vocalized it yet, so we've got to give Paul full credit for that one. Okay, totally, thank absolutely. You. So Drew Brees 
Drew Brees, who, you know, right, I think probably out of the goodness and generosity of his heart, agreed to make a video um, along with Focus on the Family promoting National Bring Your Bible to School Day. And and it was out of the goodness of his heart. It wasn't like a $20 million, you know, (laughs) paid uh, promotional advertisement. (laughs) <laughs> sneakers that have a certain design on them, you know? Um, but, you know, seriously, those guys at that level, they don't do stuff out of the goodness of their heart. And I don't mean that they don't have goodness in their hearts, but just everything those athletes do is so contractual and they have agents managing everything. And so just before we even talk about the controversy, the fact that Drew Brees stepped up and did this uh, because he believes in what we're doing with Bring Your Bible to School Day, is that's news in and of itself. So Bring Your Bible to School Day is exactly what it sounds like. And yeah. it does not, nowhere in it that I have, because I've looked, I've looked around, and I have had some experience with Bring Your Bible to School Day in the past. Nowhere in anything that I have seen is there advocacy that Christians should bring their Bible to school and use it to beat up other people. But that is the accusation that's essentially being launched here. Right. You know, I always am just sort of, well, to go VeggieTales, shocked and slightly amazed (laughs) when, you know, focus on the family and the mainstream media gets depicted as, you know, the right-wing anti-LGBTQ hate group um, I mean, it, it makes us sound like it, it makes us sound like a lynch mob. And I mean, right there, we have sort of the the kernel of the issue here is that we've gotten to a place culturally where if you dare to suggest that homosexuality is not God's intended design for this aspect of our lives, that you're equated with the Ku Klux Klan for all intents and purposes. Um, I mean, if they don't use those words and, um, you know, I don't feel like I get up in the morning and, oh man, I can't wait to go off to my virulent anti LGBTQ hate job today. That's not how I think, but, but that's sort of the dog whistle that goes off on the left when you say the words focus on the family and Mm. for somebody of Drew Brees' stature to, out of the goodness of his heart, as you said, to, you know, speak into this in the, in the grand cultural scheme of things, we hope that bring your Bible to the school day can be a subtle, but significant influence. But this is not the kind of thing that generally makes the national news. You know, Um, it's a, it's a pretty low key kind of advocacy to remind people, you know what, if you're a Christian and you're a student you have the right to express your faith, and you can do that through bringing your Bible to school. So I, I find the whole story rather remarkable and, and in some ways a very sad reminder of where we're at culturally that you know there's a, a pushback against Christians being extremists. But man, the fundamentalism on the left is every bit as religious as anything you'll find on the right, even if they don't frame it in those terms. Yeah, I would have loved to have seen, like, let's just say, uh, Democrat candidate Pete Buttigieg, who claims to be a Christian and is also an out gay man who is married. I would love for him to have stepped forward and said, now, hey, hey, wait a minute. I took my Bible to school when I was a kid. Like, that would have helped. Right. That, that, might, right. that might still help. All right, got to take even, a break. But, but I, if oh, he would have done ahead. that, 
if he would have done that, they would have thrown him under the bus in the same way. I mean, it's I know we got to take a break, but it's zero tolerance. And that's where we're at culturally. <laughs> yeah. Pete Buttigieg may not be gay enough. Like that's the issue. Right. For, I mean, right. Right. For for these concerns. Right. Okay, um, we are going to take a break. Adam and I, when we come back, we're going to talk about the FTC's punishing of YouTube for gathering personal data from your kids. And then I want to talk about a post that Adam has at PluggedIn.com uh, about his own childhood, which is really kind of cool. We'll be right back. Be strong in the Lord and never give up hope. You're going to do great things. All right, Adam Holtz is here from Focus on the Families Plugged In. You can find them at PluggedIn.com. Hey, uh, okay, the FTC, which you're going to have to remind us, like, why that matters, is punishing YouTube (laughs) for gathering personal data from children. First of all, what's going on here and why should we care? Uh, The FTC is the Federal Trade Commission, and they are the government agency that, that regulates, well, we know them, primarily in terms of broadcast television, but the dissemination of information uh, in general, uh, and as we get into the financial aspects of it, they also have some purview over that. I'm not sure exactly where their bailiwick ends and the Securities Exchange Commission begins, but but they have to do with regulating, you know, the things that happen with electronic commerce and and the things that go out over the airwaves. And in this particular story, they have slapped Google with a $170 million fine uh, for doing things that are not they're not allowed to do with data about children who use YouTube. Now, you can say, wow, $170 million, the FTC has you know, got the trumpets out and saying this is the biggest fine we have ever levied. Um, <laughs> in the grand scheme of the billions that YouTube is raking in, it's, you know, that's Starbucks money in their pocket, really. I mean, it's a it's a very symbolic penalty. Um, but I think the bigger issue here for us is it's a reminder that virtually nothing that we're doing online or that our children are doing online is safe, is protected. And even when there are laws in place that supposedly give us a modicum of relief and protection – you know, these companies can violate those with impunity. They get a slap on the wrist uh, and everybody goes on their merry way. I mean, well, and, it's, the da- um, and the damage is done. I mean, the damage is done. The damage is done. Totally. Yeah. So, I mean, I think you have to know that every single keystroke that you make online, somebody is probably watching and monitoring that. And I'm not talking about hackers trying to break into your accounts. I'm just talking about, you know, Apple, Google. Microsoft, Facebook, every single thing you do is under scrutiny. We were talking about our favorite crackers the other night in the kitchen, and an hour later, an ad pops up on my wife's phone. Now, I don't know that our phone hurt us. I can't prove that, but she wasn't doing an internet search on crackers, and there was the ad. And it was a little bit creepy, actually. So um, (laughs) the portal to us getting information that we want is a portal that goes two ways and we need to to recognize for both us and for our kids uh it's all it's all visible to somebody who really wants to know basically what our habits are because it's all about marketing it's all about getting us to buy stuff Um, that's right and so this this is a reminder of that 
Okay, so uh, because we're on the subject of kids and because you just you have this lovely blog post at pluggedin.com uh, about your own childhood. Um I want to talk about how different childhood is today than when it than when you were growing up because um yeah. child, childhood's end is the name of this piece. Um but you really do. I mean, you really illuminate a pretty drastic shift in one generation. Yeah, you know, I grew up in the mid 80s. I'm almost 50. So in 1980, I was 10. And we moved to a little town in Iowa, Perry, Iowa, for those of you who are in that neck of the woods. Uh, And I grew up there, actually 79. um, And I grew up there until I went to the University of Iowa in 1988. And of course, the internet came online in its earliest iterations in the early 90s. But by like 96 or 97, it was a thing. I mean, it was exploding uh, in what it offered people. So, you know, we're not talking very many years after I grew up. And I remember in the summers, uh, it was just this carefree, I mean, I don't want to make it all, you know, leave it to beaver, but looking back, it kind of was, I would leave the house about 11 in the morning. My best friend and I would ride our bikes to the pool. We'd swim for three hours we dry off, go get our paper route. There aren't newspapers in small towns anymore either. We can have a moment of silence for that. We take a couple hours to do our paper route. Maybe we stop and got a candy bar somewhere or a sandwich. Maybe we touch base at home. And then it was back to the pool till 9 o'clock. And I'd roll in on my bike about 9.30. Um, nobody thought this was child abuse because my parents didn't know where I was. Nobody thought that what if we need to get a hold of him. Um it was just the way we lived and it didn't seem extraordinary or dangerous or abnormal or any of those things at the time. It was just growing up in a small Iowa town. And, and my memories of those, those years are not, you know, the stuff of fireworks. It's not that anything great was really happening. We were going swimming. Um, but my kids are never going to ride their swim their bikes to the swimming pool unattended. No, because you're not even going to let them like be in a changing room by themselves. Like it's, it is like the, the vigilance that's required now, um, because it does seem as if the world has become more dangerous. And I don't know that it was any less dangerous when we were growing up, but my, uh, my recollections of summer are very, very similar, um, to yours. And in fact, um, you know, I'm just a couple of years older than you. And so, I mean, it's like really strikingly similar in terms of the way that you describe um, the days. Mine, the only addition would have been instead of a paper route, I would have had softball practice. So right. there you go. I would have had to gone and done yeah. something that was, uh, yeah, was engaged in, in some other kind of responsibility. All right. You and I are going to have to leave it right there. We've got this really cool okay. Big Daddy Weave story that um, yeah. we didn't have an opportunity to get to, but people can check it out on Culture Clips. Um, at PluggedIn.com. Thanks so much, Adam. Uh, Have a great weekend. Carmen, you do the same. Always a joy to talk to you. Likewise. We'll be right back. All right. So next next up, uh, Chris Martin from LifeWay Voices. He and I are going to talk about well, we, talk, we like to talk about things that are related to social media. And so we're going to talk about Facebook um, considering hiding your likes, which, you know, maybe you're a person that's not really concerned about that. But people actually like their their sense of themselves, their identity is bound up in how many 
followers they have or how many likes they get or how many, um, you know, on Instagram, how many of those little hearts, like, right? So you're saying to yourself, that is ridiculous and no one should think that way. Here is the challenge. At some level, we all think that way. The level of appreciation that the world gives us for things is is like feeding our endorphins. And so Facebook knows that. Facebook has actually um, perfected the art of this. One of the things that Chris and I don't have on our list, but I want to tell you about is that Facebook also wants you to help wants to help you find your soulmate. The question is, should you trust somebody like Facebook to do that? That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Joining, uh, well, no, before we do that, sorry, I forget what I'm doing sometimes. I apologize. Five, four, I want to do this countdown thing. Okay, can we start this over? Okay, here we okay, go. Okay, take two. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, Paul. Five, four, three, two, one, blast off. Okay, so that's how close we are to fall share. Like, this is literally, we this countdown. It's going to start on Tuesday. So I think, even though I'm horribly bad at math, I think that's five days from now, like Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, it's really only four, four days. We'd have to count today. So if you count today, today would be five, tomorrow four, and then, you know, three, two, one. Okay, so on Tuesday, we start fall share, but it's not actually too early to help us get started. It's kind of fun to not only be like prepared to lead off fall share on Tuesday morning, where we're going to launch it right here on the Mornings with Carmen program, but it's kind of fun to... You know, help us in advance. A little, little preseason warm up. A little, little bit before the launch. So go ahead and and participate by going to myfaithradio.com, hitting the donate button. You can always call us at eight seven seven nine three three two four eight four. There's instructions there on how to give. If you're listening via the Faith Radio app, there is a way to give right there on the app, um, and obviously uh, streaming online at myfaithradio.com. So. Go ahead. Uh, this is the final countdown before Fall Share, which launches on Tuesday. So anyway, so yeah, blast off. There you go. That's my little, that's my pitch. Is that good, Paul? Is that any good? That works. Yes. All right. We'll be right back. Most of us wish that the positive transformation of our teens would happen overnight, but that's not the way it works. Hi, I'm Mark Gregston with Parenting Today's Teens. It's easy to become so overwhelmed by the major problems with our teens' behavior that we fail to recognize progress. The key is to be patient and celebrate the little victories. Now, progress doesn't mean problem solved. Rather, it's a steady trend towards improvement. If your child was screaming at you every day and now only yells at you every other day, hey, that's progress. If your child finishes some of his homework when he previously did none, that's progress too. Remember, turnarounds rarely happen overnight. So make sure to applaud every step in the right direction, even the baby steps. Want more help from Mark Gregston? Check out his latest resources online at parentingtodaysteens.org. Joining me now, Chris Martin from Lifeway Voices. You can follow him on Twitter at ChrisMartin17. You can also find him at Lifeway. Um, Chris, so I just confessed to Paul during that brief break that I might be a little off this morning because when when I got up this morning and I and I went through my morning routine, I left the coffee pot on the counter 
but I still filled up the water and did everything else and turned it on. And so um, that's what I'm going back into after the show uh, is this disaster in my kitchen. But it also means I haven't had any coffee. So let me just apologize in advance. All good. All good. I'm glad you're here. (laughs) I'm really glad you're here. Okay. So Facebook. On Facebook, I have uh, people who are my friends. I have people who follow me, I think. Do I have followers on Facebook? Um, And then there's definitely this thing called likes. So explain to people who are not familiar with this what likes are and why it matters that Facebook's going to hide my likes. Uh, Sure. So Facebook, uh, the largest social media platform in the world, uh, is – wanting to do all it can to combat the mental illness that is um, unquestionably associated with social media use. Mental illness, I say, mental health issues, I should say, uh, perhaps more accurately. Um, There's all kinds of data to suggest that uh, social media is negatively affecting mental health, and I can can share some of that data in a minute. but Facebook wants to do everything it can to help prevent that and stop that from continuing to be the case. And uh, so Facebook owns Instagram. And Instagram has already been testing this in seven countries, including Canada and Brazil, where they hide the like counters on a post. So I've heard from students that I work with at my church. I serve in the student ministry at my church. I've heard it on podcasts that I've listened to about social media and young people that if uh, a young person, a teenager, posts a selfie, for instance, on Instagram, and it does not reach a certain number of likes within the first few minutes, Um, they are likely going to take down, delete that selfie for fear of public ridicule because of the lack of positive response it received in such a short period of time. And so anyone who looks at that would say that's going to have dramatically negative effects on young people. Uh, just a lot. You don't have to be a psychologist to figure that out. I'm not a psychologist and I can figure that out. Um, and so Instagram has tested hiding like counts publicly where, you know, on your Instagram account, for instance, you could go and you could see how many people like a post that you posted. But publicly, other people would not see that. So they could not judge whether or not that was a quote unquote successful post that you posted uh, by its like count, which is often done. It's, it's been turned into a symbol of public shame as much as one of affirmation. And so Facebook now, as they own Instagram, is trying to uh, do the same thing on, on its main native Facebook platform. Uh, because though you, you know we see mental health issues among young people using social media, Facebook is a little bit more popular with an older demographic rather than a younger demographic, um, and the the data maybe isn't as strong, or there just haven't been as many studies done on how Facebook is affecting, uh, you know, more older, older, and by older I just mean older than teenagers, so like you know young Me. or middle aged Americans, <laughs> yeah, but like really, I mean, I, I use Facebook. Anyone who's Older than a teen, most teenagers aren't using Facebook very often, if at all. So, uh, so Facebook wants to see if hiding like counts on Facebook content uh, would have a neg- would have a positive effect on its users. And they they have not yet revealed the initial results of the test they've been doing on Instagram, and they haven't rolled out the test beyond those seven countries. Uh, like it's that's not the test isn't going on in the U.S. Usually, you don't test things in your biggest market. So they haven't done it in the U.S. yet, but um, but they very well could in the next in the next few months or the next year or so if they decide that it's having a positive effect on on users' mental health and think it's an overall 
uh, good for its users. So if I were to go to my Facebook feed right now um, on like, you know, something that I posted, I have this like series of, I don't know if I'm even supposed to call them this, but they look like emojis. Like there's the one that's like hot. He's got like a little hot head. Yeah. He looks angry. And then I have the little blue thumbs up one. And then I have like a smiley face one. And then I have like, you know, the crying one, right? Mm-hmm. Is is it all of those that are going to disappear? Like all of the ways that people are reacting to a post? And if so, Correct. Wh- then, okay, so the only way then for me to engage with what somebody has posted would be to actually leave them a comment, which takes a lot longer. No, no, no. no. So here's here's what's happening. They would not get rid of the reaction function completely. They would hide the number of reactions to other users. So if you posted a picture of you hanging out on your front porch and said, what a beautiful day, and you and people started liking and commenting on it, you could see, oh, hey, 15 people have reacted to this post. But if I were going to go see that picture of you on your front porch, I would just see that John Smith and Jane Doe have reacted to Carmen's post. I would not see John Smith and 15 and, and 15 others have responded to it's the number they're they're getting rid of the sort of new public number because because those things, like I said, affect negatively affect mental health. Uh, the the number of uh, girls aged 12 to 17 who have had at least one major depressive episode in the last year has gone up by about eight percent since 2009. And a lot of that, I think you could tie to social media. That data is from uh, the National Survey on Drug Use and Health. Um, but yeah, so I think I think Facebook wants to do everything it can to protect the mental health of its users. Uh, and and I, I applaud them for doing that. They have a number of other issues that I think are, are a huge problem. But but I'm glad <laughs> that they're willing to maybe sacrifice a, biz, a good – make a poor business move in hiding likes uh, in order to maybe protect the mental health of its users. Um, Yes. And maybe uh, on another occasion, we'll talk about Facebook getting into the dating game and wanting to find people's soulmates. That might be a fun conversation for for another day. Yes, that's new. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay, we're going to take a quick break and then uh, I'm going to continue my conversation with Chris Martin. You can follow him on Twitter at Chris Martin 17. He's with Lifeway Voices. He is helping us sort of understand the very complex social media environment in which we now live. We're going to talk next about optimizing our friendships. Mm, that's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. If I should speak, then let it be of the grace that is greater. Okay, this is a segment for people who remember the Rolodex. This is a segment for people who remember how we used to uh, exchange business cards. Because Chris Martin is now going to tell us that neither one of those things is happening quite like it used to, but he's going to help us understand how it's happening now and why it matters. Okay, Chris, let me just admit, I still gather people's business cards. I then don't really know what to do with them. Um, I don't really know how to get that information other than just typing it up. Uh, I don't really know how to get that into my CRM, explain to people what a CRM is, explain to them why we would want to keep track of such things, and then sort of what's going on in in this whole area of information gathering and then management. Yeah, it's really fascinating. The, um, there's a line that people like to throw around these days is that data is the new oil. Uh, because if you look at the value of companies on the stock market who 
who primarily traffic in in data in people's data, uh, those companies are more valuable than oil companies. And so people say that uh, data is more valuable than oil these days. And you're seeing that with uh, the way that apps are being developed. So CRM, as you hinted at in your intro there, is uh, a customer resource management software. So these are things like Salesforce and other things that you maybe hear their names thrown around, but if you're not in the business world, you're not going to know what they are. But what they are is they're, they're the sort of back systems, the software that all of the retailers you you retail through use to keep track of all of your actions and data that you input into the website. So the purchases you've made, what you like and dislike, uh, what kind of shipping you've chosen, you know, just like every sort of piece of data that a retailer may have on you, they need to be able to organize that in some way and sort of create a Rolodex of customers. And that's what a CRM or customer relationship management software is for. And so how does that relate to social media and kind of what we're talking about? Well, obviously we have social media platforms like Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, Snapchat, Instagram, all of that. Um, we have plenty of those. But one of the biggest uses of those back in the day was to keep track of friends and to um, keep up with them. And some people still use them for that purpose. You know, Facebook, especially older folks on Facebook, like by older folks, again, I mean like me, I'm almost 29, using it to keep up with people from places I've lived before or past school experiences or things like that. Uh, but a lot of people these days are using social media for reading the news or consuming content of influencers like famous athletes or movie stars. It's more for sort of keeping up with the world rather than just keeping up with friends. And a number of app developers in Silicon Valley are starting to create um, platforms. You could call them social media platforms, but really they're friend management apps. So they're apps that are purposed uh, to be like a Rolodex, a, a digital Rolodex, and not just like your contacts list in your iPhone, but like here's when this person's birthday is, or here's their favorite restaurant, or keeping tabs on maybe your closest 15, 20 friends, but may, you know more professional relationships, and you can kind of keep personal notes in there, things that are more focused on your relationship with those people than what their resumes are at a la LinkedIn or LinkedIn or what they did over the weekend at their beach house a la Instagram. Uh, you know, just keeping track with of friends and what they're interested in. And I think it's a fascinating it's it's sort of a it it's a a fruit, I think, of a larger movement away from the large social media uh, platforms we have and people being afraid of the data privacy issues there and maybe toward a more private. I want to keep up with friends and keep data on friends, but I don't want to do it through these huge platforms that may be giving my data away to these bad actors of sorts. So do you have one that you like, like that you've tried? Oh, no, I've not tried. And sort of, of the app until we, world. Until, I know. No, until we look at there, it's still a very new category. Um, okay. I don't and I just I keep track of people. You know, I, I keep up with people on Instagram or, or not on Instagram, on email or Twitter or things like that. Um, I, I don't have I don't have enough like professional connections that I feel like I've needed to develop one of these things yet. People know how to get in contact with me, et cetera. But I think they're definitely going to become more popular, especially among, you know, people like like you who are keeping up with um, people that you're having on your show or things like maybe salespeople who have relationships that <laughs> poorly, they want to nurture or poorly. whatever. I'm keeping up <laughs> poorly, right. <laughs> right? So this is true though. You've, so you, it's, it is a concern for me. So I have listeners who I, you know, now engage with 
I want to sort of have a way to do that that's appropriate um, and doesn't overwhelm me. Um, the same with guests who've been on the show. Like, I, you know, I want to be sure that those who I, you know, frankly, really liked, uh, you know, right? I want to be sure that I know the next time around they've done something that we want to highlight or I want to talk with them about. And it's hard. It's kind of hard to keep up with all of that. Yeah, 100%. And some people might think like, oh, it's so cheap to be like doing it via an app. And I get it. Like, it's the same way that like, I don't really wish people birthdays on like happy birthday on Facebook anymore, which (laughs) today is my mom's birthday. I don't know if she's listening to happy birthday. Happy birthday. Uh, And and so, but like, I don't really tell people happy birthday on Facebook much anymore because it just feels mm. kind of hollow and like they know yeah. why I remember. So, so things like that. But I think an app can be really helpful to keep track of friends and their likes and dislikes. And, you know, it can be, it can support our relationships maybe rather than maintaining a relationship. So this will be my, uh, my walk-off comment related to that. Um, LinkedIn just totally confuses me because it, people are sending me like, uh, happy anniversary for your new job thing. And I'm like, I have no idea what they're talking about. I think that for those of us who don't just have one job and we have like six things that we do and pretty much everything is a side hustle. Um, there's like the main thing. And then there's like six other things we're doing. It thinks those are all like jobs and that we must've left the last job in order to take that job. So man, I'm getting like happy anniversary greetings for my new job constantly. Yeah, it's LinkedIn's kind of funny that way. The people like, like they make think fun you should LinkedIn like have a job, right? Yeah. <laughs> right, right, right. They clearly think you should have a job. Yeah, I know. All right, hey, Chris Martin, thank you for the job you're doing every single day helping us. Oh, and hey, we want to celebrate. People are going to be able to get Lifeways resources, their books, at all kinds of new places. So I, I want people to check that out. Actually, actually, a great article about Lifeway uh, resources being available in stores across the country that won't be Lifeway stores. Like, it's really cool. It's at ChristianityToday.com. Just want to celebrate that little news tidbit from your industry. Thanks, man. Of course. Thank you. Yeah. All right. We'll be right back. All right. So uh, thank you to all of you who, for whatever reason, have decided to follow me on Twitter, at uh, Carmen LaBerge. So a little shout out there. That's kind of fun. So uh, here's the thing. We do psychologically respond when people follow us on social media. Uh, and so this conversation that we're having about Facebook likes, and if you ask yourself, do I want to be liked or unliked on a social media platform? You know, the, the honest answer that we're all going to give is I want to be liked. And that's a challenge, especially if my sense of worth and value and, and the reason that, you know, somebody might be interested is keyed to, if I like have my heart keyed to how people are responding to me uh, in the world. And so let me just say this. As Christians, we live our life before an audience of one. It, it really only matters today if God likes you, loves you, um, celebrates you, is in a relationship with you, follows you. Like you're not, you know, God's not following you, but you are following God, like, right? And so let's be sure that we are actively engaged with the Father today um, and that we are giving him attention that is due who he is and that he is present and uh, and active. All right, so uh, whatever your social media is, let's be sure that we are engaged today with the Lord our God. Thanks for listening to this podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBurge from Faith Radio. If you haven't, you can subscribe to automatically receive the podcast through iTunes or the Google Play Music app. That way you never miss an episode. It's also available anytime at MyFaithRadio.com.